Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 93 of the Epilogue Podcast. I am presently in Merritt, B.C. on a little trip with a band called Small Town Pistols, a band I worked for for the past three and something, four years. They're good people, and I'm out here in Merritt. So this podcast is brought to you in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash there's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your Android phone, Android, or MP3 player. To download your free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com slash And go get a book. If you like books on tapes and you like to be read to, then go to there. Also, go to applog.ca and click on the Amazon banners on the right side and help out with the affiliate program that I have going. Locate your country, whether it be Canada, United States, or the United Kingdom. Bookmark the linked banners, and every time you shop on Amazon, the links will help support the show and will cost no extra money to you. Also, patreon.com slash is a place to pledge as much or as little as you want on a monthly basis. It helps with hosting fees and gas fees. You can cancel any, any time, and you can pledge as little. You can pledge a buck a month. You can pledge four bucks a month and you can pledge rewards in there. So go to patreon.com slash for more details. This podcast is also brought to you by Insight Recorders, now dealing with download codes. You need download codes to sell virtual copies of your album over the merchandise table. And, you know, CDs are kind of, they're expensive to make. They're not perfect. And everybody's got a phone and they don't need, they don't need CDs anymore. They are dead. They're the way of the dodo, everybody. So what will happen is Insight will help set up a customized page for your branding for your customers to both download and purchase your music. It's a good system. It works really good. I have a few bands that are, con- you know, go check it out. Go check out InsightRecorders.com and look on the web stores and then go see how, it, how it's done. Also, Insight Recorders deals with online mixing. So you need to send your recorded album that you've done in your basement to Insight Recorders and it'll be mixed and mastered and add a, just a little bit more sheen and shine to your recording. Add an extra 30 years of recording to your recording. So there's also a recording studio, which I'm presently starting to book now for September and October. And then once October ends, that's it. I'm done for the winter. Then go back to just doing online recording. But if you're in the Ontario region and you want to record, go to Insight Recorders for rates and more details. Go to applelog.ca slash shop to pre-order my new acoustic album. I know I keep saying pre-order because I'm not done it yet, but I'm just lazy. I got it done. I just need to finish mixing it. You can buy a t-shirt. T-shirts are running out. I'm wearing one right now. See? You can buy the Foursquare discography for $20, which is over 70 odd songs, over 12 years of being in a band. And it's the whole discography. It's pretty cool. Go to facebook.com slash to like the show and get caught up on news, that's Facebook. And l- follow me on Twitter at SimonHead666. Yes, that is SimonHead6666. No, SimonHead36, that's it. Okay, so today on the show is Daryl Hers. Daryl Hers is the founder of Indie Week. He's also the fan- founder of the Real Independent Film Festival, or RIF for short. He has been in the music business for well over 25 years. He has some really cool ways of looking at things. He's a he's basically a booker for bands, so he understands how bands work. But at the same time, he's started this whole riff thing, and it's just taking off, and now he's globalized his whole business, and he, he works all over the world. 
He is a very, very interesting, cool person. I was very fortunate to meet and talk to him. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you Mr. Daryl Hers on the Apple Podcast. Daryl, we we've just met, really, in my opinion, because but we know a lot of the same people, right? I think we met briefly on when I did Cam show, I guess, almost a year ago. Yeah, and for some reason, I think we kind of met in passing, a long time ago. It's as a well. small industry, right? Yeah, yeah. We yeah, because we were just talking like, you've been in the Canadian music industry for, uh, well, it, it as a musician, it was like. A long time ago, I'll really date myself, yeah, but yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know, Alberta in like 1990, 91, 92. We're going to figure out how we met right. each other because. Yeah. yeah and, and like I moved to Toronto in 95. Okay. And I moved here with a band, but the band broke up after six months. You're playing? Uh, well, no, this, this, it, we, we, we were playing like in Edmonton. Yeah. And. Um, we we did actually pretty well in a short period of time there. Mm-hmm. Like I think our first show had 180 people at at mm-hmm. it, and like we did all right. Yeah, like, I, we worked hard on promoting, and uh, just one day our singer sort of said, "Well, guys, I'm moving to Toronto," and so mm-hmm. I was like, "Cool, I'll move too." Yeah, didn't even hesitate. How old were you? Uh, 25. Yeah, that's the right? age to get yeah to get out of town, right? Yeah, and and then. My roommate was our bassist, Vadim. Uh, he played in Naked, Naked and the Dead in Edmonton, which was mm-hmm. a pretty well-known sort of indie do-it-yourself band. Yeah. And uh, he's like, I'll move too. And uh, mm-hmm. our drummer was like, I'm not moving. So, And that's Brent Oliver, who is in the music scene quite heavily in Alberta. Okay. Right? Yeah. And uh, we got here, and it was kind of funny because uh, um, – our singer had come here earlier to find us like a place to stay. Right. Failed to actually tell. Find. Yeah. Uh, failed to tell the landlord that there's more people showing up, <laughs> and uh, the landlord lived on the first floor while we lived on the second. So. So you're sneaking in. Yeah, kind of hard to hide. So we got kicked out in a month and had to find a different place to live. And How big was the apartment for? For uh, four people or three people? Uh, four, because her boyfriend at the time was uh, there as well. So, um. Yeah, it was a floor. Like we had a floor of a house, and mm-hmm. then uh, we ended up having to move, and it just life stuff kind of made it weird to actually be a band, right? And um, living arrangements and whatnot. And uh, I was gung ho, like I like guys, let's rehearse, let's play, let's. Yeah. Get... They're like, well, we don't really know the venues. I'm like, I don't care, I'll find it, whatever. Yeah, you know. And uh, yeah, we didn't even play a show, and like they're like, oh, I'm moving back to Edmonton, right. or whatever and it just didn't work right yeah. so so what's the band's name uh you know you don't that's, like, a long oh, time that's ago, fine yeah. yeah so let's so, call them the no attitude <laughs> yeah. one guy getting everything done band well no I, I wouldn't necessarily say that like basically we all had our roles and i was the guy that was always booking the shows and promoting and stuff mm-hmm. um and 
basically just then I just was kind of like found myself in a foreign city that was pretty hectic compared to Edmonton. Yeah, absolutely. And didn't know a soul pretty much. Uh, and in Edmonton, I remember the Edmonton from the early 90s. So I used to travel through there a lot. Right. Well, not a lot, but more than normal people. And uh, I found the community to be very tight-knit, and I found everybody to be very, a lot like Calgary as well, where yeah. people would do brunch. You know, it was like something yeah. that didn't really get done around here because of the um, the largeness of Toronto, where people were just sort of into their own stuff, and they weren't. Yeah, well, it was Edmonton was an interesting scene. There was a, there was a crossover period there where when I started in 1990, like I was in a cover band. And back mm -hmm. at that time, all the bars were cover bands. You weren't allowed to play originals. Mm -hmm. And all the bars didn't have sound systems or lights. You had to bring in everything. And it was full-on production, and you were there for a whole week. Played. Yeah. It was the A circuit, right? Oh, yeah. Played mm -hmm. three or four hours a night nonstop. Yeah. And toured to the next place. And yeah. I remember, like, I hated, like, Mondays was, like, the setup day. And, mm -hmm. like, you had to load in, like, all the gear. And it's, like... Think of like the, all the sound system of the horseshoe being loaded in in a day and set up and tearing yeah. down and all that. I, I hated it, but yeah. but you were there for a week and once you were set up, you're you know you're in a hotel and it was good. Yeah. Um, but you weren't really allowed to play originals at that time. And you know, I on other uh, like live feeds and stuff that we do, I talk about like Age of Electric, we're a big yeah. band that changed covers to originals. And then I also talk about a band from Edmonton that was really big in the do-it-yourself scene called The Smalls. Oh, yeah. The Smalls are right? definitely a... Yeah. yeah. And and so, like, I went to college with them. So, really, like, 89, 90 was when we were finishing college. So, Smalls were just getting started. Mm -hmm. And it, that's kind of, like, where uh, somewhere in there, the bars stopped having cover bands and started having original bands. Yeah. Right? So, in 1990, that's when I was in a cover band. And then I, 92, I was in a different cover band. And then sort of like 93, 94, 95, that's when originals started. And that's when I was in yeah. this other band. The death of uh, so, corporate metal is kind of, yeah. that's the time, right? When people said, you know, fuck Guns N' Roses. We like Nirvana. Absolutely, yeah. right? And then as well, that was a period where bars were starting to go, well, we could have a DJ instead of a band. Yeah, it's cheaper. Right? So yeah. that started kind of happening. And then... Um, so so the original scene was taking off and that's where Edmonton as a community a lot of the bands would always be at each other's shows and hanging yeah. out and mm -hmm. um you know uh a, another uh, friend who's in the scene still is uh Tommy from Headley. He was oh, yeah. in the original scene then too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He just went Vancouver and I moved to Toronto but um so there's a lot of people from that scene that are still active either yeah. in the business side or still playing and performing. And uh, uh, it was pretty vibrant in, in that, like, everybody would be, be at each other's shows and helping out. Even if, like, we go to each other and sometimes go, man, I, I really hate your band, but I'm here to support. Yeah. Like, yeah. we're that honest. And, yeah, like, absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and uh, we call it, like, music snobs. Like, there's yeah. that was the day where, like, people were really passionate about the bands that they liked and like man you like that band oh they suck and yeah. here's why and like you'd have these little debates and it was cool because yeah. people were passionate about the, the music so music too i mean when i, I live, around that time i lived in winnipeg and winnipeg is even smaller in edmonton right. and the same thing if you go to house parties and you'd see people from propaganda and i played a band called red fisher yeah they had no crossover uh musical styles but we're friends like we're oh, just yeah. friends 
the and, house parties, man. That's yeah. where a lot of stuff happened, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We used to put on basement shows yep. in our house in Winnipeg, and people would be driving through from, like, anywhere, like, and right. just playing in our basement because we were on the Book Your Own Fucking Life directory. We'd get a phone call like, yeah, it's Buddy from some band in Phoenix, and we're coming through, and can we play in your basement? And you're like, absolutely, come right. on by. Well, that's how the smalls really worked a lot. Like, yeah. They would rent a warehouse space and put on a show and yeah. stuff like that. They also hold some record for like cassettes sold over the merch table. I'm sure they do. Oh. And those shirts, the, the amount of shirts that they've sold in their life is like, I think the number was over 80,000 uh, cassettes or something. It, or, yeah. Up there, right? Yeah. No, the, the, um, they were masters at selling merch. Um, and such a simple design. Yeah. Like, but that's such a simple design, just as smalls. It's yeah. a single thing that's very simple. It doesn't really mean it's pretty ambiguous. Well, you know what it is right when you see it. Like, yeah. And that's branding. Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, like basically Doug, the guitarist, he was in arts. Okay. So like at, at, it's funny, at school, like music was in the basement. Mm -hmm. So uh, we're all down there. And then arts was like the floor up. So mm -hmm. Doug was and and they all had their own roles in the band and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I talk about them a lot just because they were a band that really did as much as you really can as a band on your own and were yeah. fairly successful. They were sort of the epitome of viral marketing. Before and viral. Before viral, yeah. absolutely. They definitely, right, they made something for themselves. It was very in, um, inspiring to bands like bands I played in to say, these guys have done it on their own and you could too. Yeah, it's sort of because they're just normal folks like us, and here they are doing it. Yeah, at the time when they could have, and there was a time where there was a feeding frenzy on indie rock where people wanted this. We want the next this band. We want right. the next Green Day. We want the next Nirvana. We want the whatever. And people came knocking to the band I played in before I joined it, like Geffen and stuff, and they're like turning wow. down, saying no thanks. Yeah, you know, and I'm sh they were probably offered. Uh, yeah, I don't know that mm -hmm. side of it, but no, uh, no. Speculating, um, but definitely because yeah. if they were knocking on doors like on a smaller band, then then they're definitely looking for the bigger fish and knew what was going on. Right, and I think I think it was like Western Canada understood them because Western Canada was about music and having fun, and mm -hmm. like it is what it is. Yeah, Eastern Canada is more industry, and they're like, well, what is this? Is this mm -hmm. country punk, hardcore metal, jazz? Yeah, because you know? like, they they had all that incorporated yeah i mean that's what we studied in college and they kind of sure. took all that and put and, it together and there was an inherent distrust for the toronto bands that would come through from my when you meet these people right from edmonton or from calgary or even vancouver there was this hey big city corporate guys yeah because everybody was apparently in toronto trying to make it that's right where people in 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 the prairies would just be sort of like this is just happening because yeah. they have a captive audience, there's another thing that there's, well, first of all, it's like, there's a lot less people to be more into your band. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, That's the, huge. But the, it was exactly around that time, there was a big change like that, like Nirvana mm -hmm. changed everything, right? Absolutely. And grunge and all that. And it was like, in the cover scene, everybody was like, hair metal, long hair, mm -hmm. production, costumes, all that stuff, right? And then when grunge kind of came in, then the indie kind of do-it-yourself really took off. And there was a lot of like, you know, oh, look at the hair farmer and look at that guy. Like mm -hmm. he's trying too hard and, yeah, you know, all that kind of uh, sort of uh, cattiness started happening. And, and for Alberta to Toronto, 
it was kind of like, ah, oh, look at those guys working so hard, just trying to make it instead mm-hmm. of just being really good. Yeah. And, and, and so that's like, uh, Alberta was a lot of music snobs, you know, yeah. like, oh, we're doing all this stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Nobody else has done this. And, and on the other side of it, I remember in the early 2000s that there wasn't even an alternative radio station in Edmonton. No, it was well, like classic rock. And when I was working for a band for Sum 41, they couldn't get played on the radio in Edmonton. Yeah. Well, the, the, for me, it was all CIUT. Yeah, was, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember the, every Friday night they had a show called Mind Compression, which was like a metal show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was like midnight till four in the morning. I'd, I'd like, you know, this is back in days of cassettes, right? Sure. I'd record almost every show to just listen to it. Like, yeah. Because I'd fall asleep at some point and yeah. at least I could listen to it later. I remember so. college radio being very strong too. Even in Calgary, there was an actual show that had like commercials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that's like they have spots. Like, yeah, and no, university was was a big thing, like the radio, and because uh, that's all that we had to mm-hmm. try to get something on, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and they were pretty prominent in the scene. Like they would also, you know, sponsor some events here and there and things like that. It's pretty cool, but you know, and because corporate radio was so big, you could never even knock on the door. Yeah, that there was something to um to adhere to. But, you know, and if we even just go back to Toronto with our college, we had a pretty good college radio station as well. But it was sort of you had to know a few people like CIUT to get in the door to get played. And right. Was it CKLN? CKLN and CIUT. Yeah. 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 CKLN was Sir Ryerson, right? Yeah. And and that's I think it was CKLN where I started kind of like getting into some of the college radio here. Yeah. Made some connections and stuff. But. But yeah, no, Toronto. It's it's a uh, is a uh, an interesting scene. Like I, I don't know. It's I've seen it change so much over the years, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I gotta admit, I miss what it was. Like I thought mm-hmm. it was a great scene, and now it's okay. Right. Like there's a lot of great bands, but there's kind of a lot of white noise and just stuff going on that I don't know. It doesn't have the same sort of passion that I used to see. Now, do you think it's your enthusiasm or do you think on a whole just as watching and being empathic to what's happening around you or is this you getting a little older to possibly being maybe a little more skeptical on been there done all that? the above yeah like, all the above I, I like for instance i remember like horseshoe tuesday you had to be at yeah like if you're not there you're kind of missing out mm-hmm. and i i don't i've played a lot of empty horseshoe tuesday nights oh guaranteed but back then it seemed like yeah, all the industry yeah. was there yeah and then the bands wanted to meet the industry or at least be there and it was hard to get those nights so you had to kind of be there to meet the people to know to get on the night yeah so you'd go in and there's 10 bands hanging out mm-hmm. and there's four a and r reps and there's yeah. a couple of music journalists and and they're all looking for who's the next hot thing mm-hmm. right and then you want to be the band playing so that you they might can say you're the next hot thing right? right and and i don't see that anywhere like where it's a guaranteed there's going to be people there there's guaranteed music industry or yeah. bands hanging out yeah you know like it's kind of hit and miss these days like even canadian music week was sort of is a place to showcase rock and roll and music in general yeah in all styles and genres mostly indie rock and and, and rock and roll but um is that effective these days like do people still come to sit in a hotel room to go out and see more shows to possibly find the next horrible choice of word tastemaker and then i think so yeah i I, it's just it's a different angle now Mm -hmm. um you know again dating myself Mm -hmm. pre-internet yeah you had to be there yeah right 
So now it's kind of more a lot of looking up what I will really see or not see. And like, that's, I think, the attitude of music industry. So they've already sort of precursored what they're going to even consider going out to see. Yeah, right. absolutely. I mean, the industry, do you think the actual age of the industry of people that do the signing, I feel that they're getting a little younger still now. They're even like they're the generation before us. Like our little brothers and sisters are out there working and finding things. I have hope that they've been able to embrace modern ways of conducting business to putting it into that big machine called the music industry and say, let's change this. Let's make this for the better. I mean, what's your thoughts on stuff like that? I think there's a yin and yang kind of going on. Mm-hmm. There's there's the mindset of analytics and numbers and uh, we're not even going to look at you until there's X number of followers mm-hmm. and likes Which you can and buy. shares. And, mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, they, yeah. they've got software that can figure that out too now. Uh, <laughs> it's like It's like the radar detector detectors yeah absolutely Uh, yeah absolutely and and like a lot of promoters will some of them like get analytics where they won't book a band in a certain area until they've got a certain number of followers or attraction yeah so they know a certain number of tickets will sell sure so tours are being booked based off of the internet Mm -hmm. right uh and i think record labels are kind of doing a lot of the same thing but there's still aspects of wow this is just amazing we got to put this out because we think it'll work yeah, and that's so. the part. I mean, when we were talking, I was talking to Cam about this last year. Is that that part's kind of, I think, gone, or if it's gone, it's gone to boutique labels, where they act as not just as your label but as your manager. Right. Which I have a whole other point of view on, but um, yeah, I feel that if you're a label, you should be a label, and if you're a manager, you should be bugging the label to give you money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying there's a lot, and there's well, there's just not as much money going around, so it's mm-hmm. it, everybody has to be inventive and yeah. a lot more patient. Like things don't happen overnight, yet sometimes they do. Yeah, um, but there's also a time to cut your losses. Like if you've yeah. been trudging around this business for a couple of years and nothing's really taken traction, then whether you're an, a manager or a band, I feel that's time to move on and go search. It, it, it depends on how how, you, how much you believe in it and mm-hmm. and and the quality of the product. Uh, I think uh, it, it's. It's a tough, it's a fine line, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think, um, you know, back in the day, an artist like, uh, say, Alice Cooper or even David Bowie didn't really hit till, say, th- album three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they had the opportunity to kind of, let's try this, let's try yeah. this. Let's even the Eagles. This. The yeah. Eagles, largest selling album in the 20th century. They needed three albums to get through. That's they right. They had to get through Desperado before they could get... <laughs> and, and so now everybody's looking for the quick hit first time out. And, yeah. And, and I find people are cutting losses too soon. Right. And I think that's the issue, right? So, you know, you got to kind of also really believe that, well, maybe album three, they'll work. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Over the past year when I've been doing conversations like this, I, I my old thought was, well, if you could make it on YouTube and you can get a million people to listen to you talk or sing yep. a la Justin Bieber, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, people are always looking after that point. They've seen that. Okay, they become desensitized to what is good or what is inventive. Yeah. So when, you know, next thing you need, you have to be doing is standing on your head, juggling balls with your feet. And like, whoa, look at that. That's really cool. But then that somebody will do it and you're like, yeah, I've seen yeah. that before. This is not too exciting. Well, we'll see. Things have taken a weird turn where 
Um, the stuff that makes it on YouTube, I find, is just stuff that's genuine. They just set up a camera and they just yeah. went for it, and it was really cool. Right, like some, like you know, that there's that lady a few weeks ago or a month ago that had a Chewbacca mask and just, she's laughed. just laughing, yeah. And wow, all of a sudden she's like a star for a week, right? Yeah, uh, where that's it, honesty, right? That's pure that's, yeah. visceral humor, exactly. Yeah, and I think the issue is, is if somebody sees somebody else get successful at something, they're gonna do. They it. all try to replicate, yeah, what that's that honest nature. moment was, yeah, yeah. And it's like you just sure. get a lot of fluff. That's you know. uh, that's like America's Funniest Home Videos where yeah. they're not all funny. We got to set a few up to make them funny because, yeah, there's yeah. Know, there's a lot of people that try to – I've had this conversation before where they try to engineer awesomeness. Right, and like, engineer success. Engineer, like success, yeah. where they've done this, they've gone all through the right motions, they've done this, they've done that, and still nothing works. Well, what's the answer to it? Right. And I think the answer is honesty. I don't think you're being honest, not with just yourself or with the people you're trying to impress. You have to be honest. You have to show honesty. And that's and going back to that laughing video, she's just being a fool in front of the camera, and that's the most honest Absolutely. that one could be. That's why it's successful, you know. Right. The so, human element is still there. It's not processed. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. It's, and, it's uh, by accident, or it's yeah. Because, you know, in the, I mean, it kind of goes back to the major record labels where they try to make something like, I've been in, like, courted by a label that says, you need to lose 30 pounds. Oh, yeah. And you need to learn how to sing. Oh, this, that <laughs> that's rampant. Yeah. And, like, uh, you know, I often tell a story about my cousin. Uh, this is way back in Edmonton days. Mm -hmm. I was a teenager. Um, more so, like, like, I know I wasn't allowed in bars, so I was, like, underage. And... Uh, you know, I was into like a lot of the hair metal bands, so I was like Queensrÿche, and they'd mm -hmm. never played Edmonton, and like they're playing, so I got to buy a ticket, and they're opening for Kiss. Yeah. So I didn't really want to see Kiss. It was the Animalize tour, and uh, <laughs> oh, is that no makeup? Yeah, no makeup. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of leopard skins and all God that. God gave rock and roll to you. That's it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, so I was really just excited to see the opening band, and uh, I remember being in line to go through the doors, and you know. People are whispering around and saying, oh, you hear the opening band is sick. They're not playing. And I'm like, well, that's the only reason why I'm here. And then I found out it was my cousin's band was set to open in replacement. Like, they grabbed a local band. Mm. And uh, so I was like, oh, that's cool. And I, because I wasn't able to go to bars, I hadn't seen him play. Okay. Right? And uh, uh, so they, they played. Kiss really liked them and brought them on tour until Queensryche was able Good to play. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, there's a feeding frenzy of like labels coming up from the states to see this band, and uh, they literally were like, "Okay, uh, here's the offer. We've got a contract on the table right here for you, but your guitarist has to go." Mm. And they're kind of like, "Well, he kind of writes the songs, and you know, he's integral." And mm. and they're like, "Well, that's cool. He can write the songs. He just can't be on the album or can't be in the band." Oh, because they have an image. To, image, yeah. yeah. Like he was kind of losing his hair and yeah. stuff, right? Look and at the Scorpions, though. Come on, man. Oh, exactly. For Christ's sake. So, so basically, the band was like, well, you, you know, like we want to keep him in the band. And they're like, fine, contract's off the table. We'll never offer it to you again. See you later. You'll never have a record deal. Right? And that was it. That yeah. was it for the band. That was their try. Yeah. And from an in integrity to say... No, we we actually think this guy is important. Try that in Toronto when someone says you got to fire this person because he doesn't look the part. 
That yeah. would happen in a heartbeat, no problem. You know, and even tomorrow that would happen, I bet. Yeah, but it just sort of like it just, just that was the it. That was literally the end of their career. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, nobody was interested in them because word got out that they were tough to work with, and or even someone just smeared their name and said, "Nah, they're not worth it." Well, well, it just ends up being like, "What's your goal at that?" Like back in those days, it was to get a record deal. Yeah, and that just meant they will never get it. Yeah. Well, there's a so. classic A and R quote from some A and R people saying, "Have you heard my album?" And the A and R person would go, "I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody yet." Yeah, because that's how that travels, right? And it's so political. You have an entry level A and R person who has to push it uphill, 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 uphill until they get a deal. And then if it fails, the first person to get is yeah. the young A and R person. Oh yeah, it still happens, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so so there's like ultimately it's a business, and and everybody has to treat it that way. And unfortunately, sometimes decisions have to be like that. And you know, I've had to learn hard ways about it, but sure. You know, uh, somebody told me this is like, you know what? They traded Gretzky. <laughs> yeah. Anything's so, possible. Anything's possible. That's and, true. And and also things move on like two years down the road. Who's like, oh, we should have kept Gretzky. Like, sure. you know, you kind of end up forgetting that. Yeah. And, and, and things change. So. Yeah, true. That's true. Definitely. And when you when you try to. I don't know, when you try to make success, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. And it's all a coin toss whether or not society is going to embrace what you're throwing down, too, yeah. right? I think it's in general in life as people. Like, you will, you stroll along in life and you put down an attitude and people either subscribe to it or they don't. Well, exactly. And I think in music, um, it, so much is processed right now and so much is sort of planned and not planned, but it's so digital. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- digital how like uh, digital with the way it's conveyed or like Every, no personal touch no all the above yeah. yeah yeah you know uh I, I think there's a little bit of uh we've lost the art of crafting a song mm-hmm. like i think people go for well what sound are we going to use as yeah. opposed to like you know like what's the melody what's the harmony sure. what's the rhythm and mm-hmm. like they just kind of come up with beats and like They'll hire a producer who already has beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's not crafting sure. a lot, you know. And uh, I think uh, something that really stands out is is there's no um, mystery why Adele, who can sit there with a piano, and that's it, in a stadium and mm-hmm. floor everybody. Yeah, that's true talent and that's crafted song. So so there's always a like you say yin, yin and yang. There's also also, the big thing is now, like, um, for bluegrass, like, bluegrass is in, in the subculture of, of festivals right. is pretty big, especially in around the, the Appalachian areas. You know, right. it's big. People are going to these things, ten to 20,000 people at a time, and they're doing it without security guards. Well, yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's all just hippy-dippy people just going out to see a show. Well, yeah. Well, this is, it's... Uh... Uh, it's funny, like I, I said, I would never manage bands again. Uh-oh. Right? Uh, I used to manage uh, like a number of acts and, and develop them and stuff, but uh, I'm actually working with a country artist. Okay. And literally, I was in a venue, and I just heard the voice and songs, and I was like, wow, this kid's got it. Right. I have to talk to him and figure out stuff, and uh, end up being like, we're now working together. I'm So managing them and... Uh, <clears throat> it's it's amazing to sort of see the reaction that he's getting without even trying. 
you country know. is a big thing, man. Like people are sick of the bro country stuff. Like, right? Par- pardon me if he is that sort of. No, no, going to do a little bit of this and get a little bit of that because that's all country. It's get not, a truck, go get, to the get, lake, get my dog, beer. Ever going to be a little bit crazy? Yeah, because I, mean, I can't be totally crazy because be, then I would be crazy. Because <laughs> I'm going to get a little bit crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, you know, that Florida Georgia Line stuff, and you know, the only pass because I work for a country band. Right. The only pass I will give to countries, not only just the band I work for, but Little Big Town. Yeah, they write some songs. They are good. Well, they- so many artists do. There's an artist that um, played for Indie Week a long time ago. I don't mean to say long time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> a few years ago, and and uh, she's working with Slate Music, and you know, talking about crafting. They've been mm-hmm. working on songs for a few years, and uh, uh, me managing a country artist, we went to the uh, CMAOs, and uh, she performed and had a standing ovation, mm-hmm. and it was really, really her and a guitar, right? Yeah. Where yeah. all the other performers are full bands yeah. and Tracks this and that, and, and you know, and and uh, a very honest song. So, like, her name's Jessica Mitchell, and uh, the song's, uh, I believe it's Working on Whiskey. Mm-hmm. And you know she just toured, opening for Keith Kiefer Sutherland. Wow! Uh, yeah. Hit up every radio station, and it's like it's honest music, and and uh, it's kind of cool to see that's happening. Happening, and yeah, you know, some people have kind of said she's the Adele of country. Right? Oh, amazing! Yeah, yeah. So, so th- there's hope. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I think the amazing, uh, like stuff that's really crafted, really th- put together. Um, properly and has uh you know integrity will will rise up yeah you know yeah and, and i think i've got this sort of uh philosophy mm-hmm. is like we're all a photocopy right and you know if you photocopy a photocopy it gets kind of crappier created, yeah and you photocopy the photocopy of the photocopy it gets kind of crappier mm-hmm. and the farthest away you get from the original it's just unreadable unreadable right yeah and and I look at music as, you know, no matter what, we're influenced by what we've heard. So the previous generation, we're a photocopy of it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, we just keep getting farther away from the source of, like, music. Like, I mean, you know, uh, jazz used to be a really big thing, and that's, like, really heavy theory, and you yeah. got to have years to actually, and patience to kind of, like, sure. listen to it. Yeah. But you know? jazz, like, 100 years ago was the innovation of what became rock and roll. And it was just loose, right. free will and craziness. You yeah. Know? Well, like just think originally music was like a lot of classical. Yeah. Right. And we just keep getting farther away yeah, from that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like in college, I, we studied like the history of music. So like from 1915 to present day, mm-hmm. and you just sort of see how, like, for instance, like if you listen to the doors, a lot of their stuff is jazz, Yeah, but it's kind of rock. Yeah. So they grew up on the jazz stuff. Yeah. And incorporated into rock. Now people who listen to the Doors didn't grow up on the jazz stuff. They grew up on the Doors. Yeah. So it's farther away from jazz. And they became the Tea Party. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> short call. step, actually. Good call. Right. <laughs> and, and and so it's just kind of like, you know, what are the kids listening today? Right. You know, what are they going to be photocopies of? Hotline yeah, that, Bling. That's you know? neat. Uh, that's a, actually it's a very cool way to look at it. And uh, you have kids. You, you have kids? No. You don't no. have kids? I have kids. And my kids um, are not, they're like the most non-musical style specific people I've ever met. Right. My son 
loves Green Day, but he also is up on all that other stuff like Skrillex and from there in between has no judgmental look on any type of the music except for Justin Bieber because he does drugs. Oh, okay. So <laughs> so there's a there's a whole range of music where me, I was into metal and then I wasn't into metal. Then I was into punk rock. Yeah. I'm kind of, I can't be, I'm too old to be into punk rock now. Now <laughs> I'm into this. You know, I have, a, I would pigeonhole myself musically throughout my life where he has no limits as to where his range sits. And I think right. that's positive because that means if you, maybe it's just because I've been instilling him that you have to find the good parts of music. Don't just find the music, but find the good parts and then enjoy yeah. it, whether it's this or that. Maybe that's that. Maybe that's just me projecting onto my kids something that i wish would yeah. happen <laughs> well it's, it's a weird it's a weird time mm-hmm. like i mean um there's there's pros and cons to it right yeah yeah so like when i was growing up there was the radio mm-hmm. and there was the radio yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like there was a and the much... radio had the format right yeah. like you know and then there was magazines mm-hmm. so like you're not listening to what you're reading but you're seeing like like i remember seeing the first pictures of motley crew going whoa who yeah. are these guys yeah yeah these guys are crazy yeah you know and ozzy yeah. and alice cooper pretty badass like, looking aren't they yeah. this is crazy <laughs> yeah. but yet you haven't heard the music yeah so magazines had an impact on what you thought you were going to hear yeah yeah that's cool to say yeah right? think about it, yeah and 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 then you'd hear some of it on the radio. A lot of that stuff didn't get played on radio. No. But then videos came out. And so your first introduction to a band isn't only music, but it's the visual of the video. Yeah. And you might go, wow, those guys are badass. Yeah. Right? I want to be that guy. Yeah. Right? And it was all a mystery. And then the stories come out in magazines, and that's how they kind of became legends. A myth, yeah. A myth, right? Yeah. Some of it's not true. Some of it's Sure. And they're not up. saying whether or not it's true. Right. Like Led Zeppelin, the tuna fish story. Like, oh, <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that might not have happened, but it could have. Right. The know? bat, the chicken. Yeah. Like all this stuff, right? All these things. Well, the bat happened. The bat happened. The chicken <laughs> happened. The, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Alice Cooper and the chicken. That's, that's actually, right. there's moving picture of that actually happening <laughs> at the right. band shell, actually. In Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but the, the thing is now. But everybody talked about it. Right. Yeah. So now it's like, oh, did uh, Vince Neil fall off the stage? Click, click, click. Oh, there's a YouTube video. Yeah, I just saw it. There's the other Done. one. There's one from Phoenix. There's one from this. There's yeah. one from that. Right. I know. I know what you're saying. Right? Yeah. So there's actually no kind of attachment to it. Yeah. It's gone. Right? It's like the TMZ has kind of ruined yeah. rock stars because now every time you fart or you say something funny or stupid, right. you're on trial for that. And you know, and there's like, there's so many breach of like, just of, just of their privacy. Rock stars are not like you come out of the airport and there's people taking your picture. Like, how can this happen? Right. Why can't I just be, cause I mean, if I'm in an airport, I should just be treated like everybody else. But here's a hundred people taking my picture and making a story out of nothing. That's right. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, it's weird. So I, it's almost like, uh, legends aren't made anymore mm-hmm. and if they are it's kind of like reality stars like kim kardashian yeah. is like a legend yeah and it's like on what what merit right you know i can't remember the artist but the artist boycotted twitter boycotted facebook for that reason right because they didn't want to they didn't want to per- perpetuate a myth that's wrong right they'd rather create their own I mean, you look at Sia. Sia covers her face. Right. Why does she cover her face? Because she wants some mystery in her in her 
Yeah. She wants you to follow her voice, not her face, because her face is not today's well, standard. Kids were legends about Absolutely. that, right? Like nobody knew what they looked like mm. for years. They thought they were Van Halen. Remember yeah. that? The oh. first Van Halen came out like that's Kiss. Really? Yeah, when the first Van Halen record came out, I didn't know rumors that. like that's Kiss, that's them. <laughs> you could tell, and they would do like this and that. But now, obviously, be able to, you know. Well, Gene helped discover Van Halen and stuff. That's so. true. Yeah, that's the part, right? Yeah. There's the tie-in. I mean, I laugh at the thing where people, the whole Paul McCartney like death thing, where people are right. taking his earlobe and going, "Oh, look, see, that's a different Paul McCartney." Oh yeah. Still today, people are fighting over the. Fact I saw that story come up again about a month ago. Yeah. And hardcore, like this yeah. is the guy. Like they had a different guy. They had a name though. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, "This is the guy." Yeah. And same with Hitler. Hitler's alive. Hitler's alive. He's in South America. South America. Don't be stupid, Daryl. Come on. <laughs> you know. We all know that. <laughs> I'm so far behind. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but you're right. I always, I used to laugh at the fact that back even the day when I would try to put on a show with my band or whatever. I'd always think, look back to like when Led Zeppelin came to town. Yeah. That was a happening. Like that was a thing that people would be like, this is huge. Right. And the only way to see it is be there. Be there. Right. right. Now, I think the only one person that really kind of carries that through is like Bruce Springsteen, maybe, you know, maybe where he can, because yeah. his shows are so long and they're so random and so. Pearl Jam does a good job because they're. They, they just write the set list before they go on stage, and yeah. you never know what's happening. Yeah. So There's also, I mean, there's a whole new thing. There's a whole th thing coming in where if it happens, I'll be very stoked, where they can jam your phone. You can't take videos anymore. And people call yeah. that an infringement of personal, but I, I call that awesome. Well, uh, I think it was just last week Apple filed a patent, patent. for that yeah. exact purpose. And I think that's going to be amazing. Why? Because when I'm in the back row, I don't want to look at a bunch of little screens capturing something right. that is taped through a shitty camera, a shitty microphone. And not... I'm guilty. Yeah. No, no. But that's see, when you do the live thing, yeah. that's me tuning into it. It's a whole different thing. Believe me. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're saying if you're at the Motley Crue show, you'd be the one with that. Yeah. Well, I was just at Cult and Noel Gallagher, and I live streamed a few things on my Facebook. The live stream it. thing is a, you get a pass with that okay. because you're capturing real life. You're capturing something at that moment. I'm, I'm kind of looking at it as like going to my friends and say, hey, I think you would like to see this. Yes. And you're not here. And if you were to tape it and then wait, get home, upload it to YouTube, I don't think that I could subscribe to that. Which we might be, I might be doing. Oh. <laughs> well, it's like I can download it from Facebook sure. and put it on YouTube. If you choose. Yeah. I'm not trying to talk you out of anything. Oh. I'm just talking about my <laughs> personal point of view. Yeah. Because you know what? And it, I mean, I'm now I'm I've called bullshit on myself because I saw a Neil Finn. Uh, he did a song called Falling Dove at the Danforth Music Hall. Right. When it still had seats in it that I saw live that somebody taped in the front row. Right. And I watched it and the song hadn't even been released yet. Oh, I know. And there it is. I'm watching it and it's probably only got about. 20,000 views on There's it There's video for everything now. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, I'm guilty. Like, yeah. I'll look at a ticket price, and sometimes I'll just say, you know what, I'm just going to watch it on YouTube. Yeah. I've already watched the Guns N' Roses concert, yeah. like, three times. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've yeah. seen the... the I've seen the... On YouTube, I've already watched their... Uh, I think where they uh, did the club show. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. Oh, the, oh, we're at the Whiskey? Whiskey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? And then I've seen the first concert that they did mm -hmm. and then just with an iphone camera or uh just whatever's on youtube yeah you know and then i've also seen axel with acdc sure so 
so I'm, I'm actually like I'm thankful I have access to that, but I also know the repercussions in the big picture is it kind of ruins the experience a little bit. But it is there. I'm curious what Axel sounds like singing ACDC. Yeah, I'll watch it. Absolutely. You know, you did I, a pretty good job. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Scoop. Um, I really, you know, it's funny. I mean, it's funny how you you're willing to like say that this is like I'd love to go to shows, but at the same time I'd love to capture it and share it with my friends. That's yeah, that's important. But as for me on the periphery, when I as an audio, somewhat of an audiophile, right? I, I like to hear it and see it as I would say. Um, I've had this conversation before. Where how do you make a, something like that palatable? Right. Like where like good sound, like good, good quality, sound, good quality. Um, there's no real way to do it unless you take it to a movie theater and do a stream. There's a lot of people bringing high-def cameras to these and That's shows. happening now, right? Yeah. Like We're almost there where you could say, I want to see every single Guns N' Roses show every night for the whole tour, and I'll go to my AMC theater, and I'll buy a pass for a week. Right. That'll be every night that's happening with a different show. Yeah. I wonder... That would, like I mean, I wonder if that's a thing that could possibly. There's certain bands that could do that, like a Guns N' Roses or a Bon Jovi or a something. You Bruce just you just made me think of a point. Yeah, is that was the age of groupies. Yeah, they would travel following bands. Yeah, because that's the only time they could see the sh- see the band yes. and play, like you know, see five shows in a row yeah. and, and stuff like that. Like, it should be that without the diseases. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> and, and air conditioning. Yeah, but yeah. That, that that happened. Fans would actually follow bands oh, to yeah, see the shows. Absolutely. Now it's, we'll watch it you, on YouTube. There's a lot of, there's a, r- a very rabid Bruce Springsteen following where people have seen, like I just had a guy who, I started him out on a podcast, um, uh, Tramps Like Us podcast, Lee McCormick. Mm. He's a huge oh, okay. Bruce Springsteen fan and I got him started. Right. He's an old friend of mine. He's actually, I think he was on the show. He's going to be on the show. I can't remember get the timing right, but he, he's going to be on the show. Or he has been on the show. But he knows people that have seen Bruce Springsteen 268 times. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Or U2 followers. Right. They're huge, too. Like They'll go to the other side of the world to go see U2 play. Uh, yeah. I, you know, if I had the budget, I probably would, too. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah, no, I, well, I saw them in Edmonton and... Pop Mart tour, and I've seen every tour after yeah. that. So. I don't think I've ever seen them live. You know, my U2 experience was Live Aid when they played Bad for the first time. Yeah. And I immediately became a fan after seeing that simulcast. They won over, like, they won Live Aid. Absolutely. Because of that song. Band, the other band that really, even though they were big before, was uh, Dire Straits. Yeah. When they had uh, I Want My MTV with Sting singing in the Philadelphia side. Yeah. That's where... Dire Straits arrived, in my opinion. There's a lot of things that happened. Like yeah. I remember seeing the whole thing. I watched the whole thing from the morning, and then Me and too. how Phil Collins got on a on a jump on a on a Concorde and flew, and then played in the Zeppelin. That's right. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Like where yeah. you, you know he flew for three hours to go do the other show. I took a cassette player and put it up to the speaker of my TV and recorded. Like the Judas Priest part, oh, I Ozzy. Saw that. that was amazing. Oh yeah, it was Ozzy with Black Sabbath, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I recorded that on cassette, yeah. so yeah. I I could like play it and uh, the U two and stuff. Queen killed it. Queen yeah. killed. He actually released it. Yeah, but Queen was already huge, right? Yeah, where U two arrived, like yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, whoa, who's this? And, yeah, you know, and who's this guy running around like kind of breaking the rules? And they were all mad at him after that. I don't oh, know if yeah. you read anything about it, but they were like, they just sat in there because he just had this little drum loop going, and they're like, because if you think if you're the Edge and then off pops Bono, he's down there for like five minutes. You're like, 
Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Well, there's there's very strict uh, time rules. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they were slated to play three songs. They only played two. Yeah. Right? Because Bad ended up being like 11 minutes long or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bono was running around. But the fact that he danced with a couple fans, kissed a girl, and all that, all of a sudden, the world just fell in love with YouTube. Absolutely. Yeah. So, did you see the Amnesty International one that was on? There was one like in that same summer. They had an Amnesty International one, and you uh, two were massive at that point. Okay, and they it didn't have the impact to me as as far as I'm concerned. It wasn't. I, I don't think I watched that one. Yeah, it was. It was one. It was uh, for South Africa, and it was it was the same idea. It was a simulcast, right. and it was it looked great. But I mean, I'm kind of thinking back to now, like when when you saw that, that sounded pretty good. Yeah, it looked amazing, amazing. Like that stadium packed. Yeah, what of energy? So if you could, for instance, try to recreate that today, without right. for a niche market group of fans, like a Bruce Springsteen fandom, it's not going to hurt his ticket sales. Right. I wonder if there's a a revenue there source for something. And I know people do it, but I mean, do it right where you could do a whole tour. Mm. You know, I don't want to, I want to black it out so you don't see it on your computer screen or your iPad. Come to a venue. Do the same thing, you know? Get high in the parking lot. I don't care. But come and see this show that, you know, maybe you could recreate the same event. I don't know. It's, Mm -hmm. we're in such a weird, like... We're all trying to fake it these days, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah, but even on the business side, um, like... You know, I was saying about photocopies, yeah. right? That goes on the business side, too. Yeah. Like, what did these guys do in business before us? Well, I'm going to take that and do it at a scale times 10. Yeah. Right? So, like, there isn't as much money going around. And so the artists are touring more and longer, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, um, like, how many times does Justin Bieber and Kanye play in Toronto a year? Three or four times. Yeah. Where before, they'd come once on a tour, and you wouldn't see them again until the next album. Exactly, yeah. Right? And it's just they know that's where they're making cash. Yeah. So so they are... I'm finding agents are very tight on what they're willing to let the artist do or not do because mm-hmm. they're trying to keep the premium High. money coming in. Yeah. Right? And trying to control that. So... It's re it's gotten to be really difficult, I think, to put on those kind of like here's like mega five shows. mega stars on one bill. Yeah. Because there's not enough money for what they would normally make on their own. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then the way they get kind of like start chopping the piece of the pie is like, well, who's gonna get the rights to the film mm-hmm. or the DVD or sure. like is it gonna go on pay per view and yeah. and it ends up it's weird. I'm finding like I, I call it like, you know, people put money in front of money. Like, how are we going to make money? Well, I was like, well, you haven't made it yet. Mm. But because you're kind of like negotiating and stuff, it just ends up not happening. Right. And I think what it hinders the whole process is ego. And, and yeah. is, is that if someone said, say, if you're a steel mill and you're like, everybody needs to take a two dollar an hour cut. Otherwise, you're all out of business. Right. Chances are you're going to take the two dollar cut to keep your job. So you're cutting, you know what I mean? You're cutting money out of your budget, but at the same time, at least you have money coming in. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that part of the industry really, in any major industry, like whether it be a, you know, uh, GM or like a car manufacturing, it's just like, no, we need to 
carry the status quo. And if we carry this, then we're, we change our point of view. We're changing our agenda. We're changing our point of view and people will show weakness and exploit it, which is Absolutely. not true. It's not yeah. true at all. We're all trying to get together to keep this shit going, you know? Yeah. And, and it's funny, like at an indie level, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I deal with bands all the time and uh, I come from a tech side. Like I've been making websites and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I, I'm a geek on that side and music and stuff so so i've got this sort of philosophy that i i talk to bands about especially indie bands and uh you know i i this uh, january uh sort of ended up uh like i i left the rivoli i was booking there for three years mm -hmm. right and there's so many bands would be like well how much are we getting paid and i'm like well what what's your value like how many people are you bringing mm -hmm. oh well you know how hard it is and i'm like well no you should actually know how yeah. many people you're able to bring yeah well sometimes it's this, sometimes that well so you really don't know your value mm -hmm. right and they go well it's hard and like it shouldn't be hard you should know what that is it's business yeah absolutely right? you like, should be able to trace it through yeah and that's yeah. what agents are all about right yeah and 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 so a lot of them are like yeah but i need to get paid and i'm like well what's your value Mm -hmm. don't know well i don't know what to pay you right? <laughs> and, and and a lot of it is door deals is the yeah, ends yeah, up being yeah, right yeah and and then uh, you know your value yeah but the the thing is is there's a thing about overvaluing mm -hmm. right like you know how hard it is to get people to pay five bucks to see four bands mm -hmm. well maybe you're not worth that yet mm -hmm. right and so I've got this whole, from the tech side, I did some thinking and research and stuff. And like, for instance, I kind of relate it, I call it like the Google theory, mm -hmm. right? So I'm, I'm assuming you use Google. Oh yeah. How much do you pay to search? It's all free. Are they making money? Oh yeah. Right. So, so there's a way to kind of try to find economics around free, mm -hmm. right? And I think a lot of people put money first and then they don't get economics and they mm -hmm. go see it didn't work or this yeah. was a failure. Sure. And I'm like, well, maybe it was overvalued. Mm -hmm. Right. Bruce Springsteen come in and say it's 350 bucks a ticket sellout. Well, that's his that's, value and he can do that. Value. So other bands who are just starting out are like, well, I, we deserve at least $10 a ticket or $6 a ticket. I'm like, well, how many people are you bringing? Place holds 200. Mm. Are you filling it? Yeah. Well, so, so, I can't tell you the number of times I've worked the door, I've had been at the door and somebody comes up, Hey, is there music tonight? Oh, so you don't know about the show? Walking up, yeah. Right. And, and I'm like, yeah, there's these bands and I tell them who it is. And there's this gloss over look on their face. Like, Oh, I've never heard of them. Is there a cover charge? Yes. Yeah, five bucks. Oh, see you later. Right. So I would be much more, wanting if i was in a band today let them in let these let everybody in yeah and play in front of a full room yeah that's much more important yeah you know and and when bands are kind of talking to me about money oh we gotta get paid and stuff okay how about this deal i've got soundgarden playing will you play for them for free of oh course. yeah of course why because there's lots of people yeah right so there's this google so it's not what i can do for you it's what you can do for me well not not only that it's just Shouldn't you at their end? I well, mean, you know what I mean? Well, like people are hoping to get a million views on YouTube. Sure. Well, how much money are you making from that? Mm -hmm. Right. 
But is there a value in that? Isn't it? What is it? The actual value is per thousand plays or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think you have to hit a million first, and then Nothing. you kind of get yeah. something, right? <laughs> yeah. But but the point is, is it's like, you know, why don't you try to fill the room and then figure out how you can sell stuff around it? Yeah. Right. No, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you and, on that. And yeah. and so that's my Google theory is like like I tell bands it's like, how about you just fill the crap out of the place? Yeah. Right. So. So like I do artist consulting and stuff and I worked with this band from Saskatchewan, sure. right? They're my example band right now because it's one of the last ones that worked at building. Didn't know one person in Toronto and their first show headlining, which was kind of like their third show. Like mm -hmm. their first show, I had them open for Econoline and Crush. Mm -hmm. Second show was opening for Birthday Massacre and then they played their own show, right? Sold out or capacity crowd. Right. And, uh, you know, we work the system where and it's all this is where the business kind of turns into numbers and analytics. But it's it's physical analytics like people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, well, how much does the bovine hold? 200 people. Mm -hmm. OK, well, you need 600 people on guest list because only 30 percent will show up. Yeah, yeah, I can test to that. Right. Definitely. And to get 600 people to say, yes, they're coming. You actually have to invite 1200. <laughs> right yeah. and it's like that simple yeah, absolutely and, yeah. and he's like oh i don't know i'm like that's all you have to do yeah that's literally all you have to do is just invite 1200 people yeah you had 600 say they're coming on guest list only a third will show up and there'll be some walk-ups too yeah right yeah yeah sold out show and right off the bat they sold merch yeah right and because it like it was hilarious like i remember uh daryl the owner of the bovine calling me it's like what am i supposed to do with this guest list like, cause I'm at home and the band is there setting up and sound check mm -hmm. and they had it in their guest list. It's like it's pages, people. right? And and he's like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I'm like, I don't know. Let people in. You're going to make a lot of bar sales. Let, let the first 200 in. Yeah. yeah. And like, then the other 800 waiting outside, you're like, sorry, yeah. sold out. And then the myth is perpetuated. These Day guys one. are huge. <laughs> Day one. Who are these guys? Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And, and, and like, especially the bar is like, uh, when can we have them back? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's a great idea. Absolutely. And, and and they sold merch. And the thing is, is at the merch table, you don't have to split your sales with the other bands. Nope. So I'm like, okay, well, we could look at it this way. You're going to charge five bucks. But there's four bands or three bands on the night. Mm -hmm. So that $5, you got to pay your door person. And then you got to take what's left and chop it into three pieces. And there's like four people in the band. And you got to, like, what money you're really making anyways. Yeah, you're fighting over pennies. Yeah. So wouldn't you rather 200 people in the room and then sell to 20% of them and make like money off of merch sales. So it's about the people. Yeah. And Google's always been about the people, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was working on websites, there was a crash around 2000, 2001, where like the whole market just died. Yeah. And a lot of it was the web at the time was learning and uh, say like, um, like there's lynda.com these days, yeah. right? There's a lot of free lessons online. Oh, yeah. Right? Before, it was you must buy before you see a thing. So all these companies that spent a lot of money building websites didn't make money back and stopped hiring people to, like me to make websites. And it crashed. The yeah. whole internet just crashed. Mm -hmm. Right? We were making great money back in the day. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Like, great money. Now, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, Thanks, WordPress. WordPress. <laughs> 
Thanks. Yes. What is it? Squarespace. <laughs> Squarespace, WordPress, Joomla, Drupal. Yeah. Uh, I tried Joomla and Drupal, that. and I went to WordPress. I'm a WordPress guy, although yeah. one of my sites is completely fucked up right now, and I don't know how to fix it. Because oh, well. I manage some sites. I got about six sites that I manage. So. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All the Indie Week ones and yeah. stuff. So, But yeah, so, so I kind of like work this with artists and just say, it's so much better just have tons of people, right? Mm-hmm. And and I remember like I was working with this one artist where I, I told him like, well, here's the deal. You want to grow in this business in this city because this is where the industry is. Hmm? You probably want to play CMW. probably want to play North. Oh, it's really hard to get in. No, it's not. It's really easy, actually. Right? You, you need to build relationships as businesses relationships. And I find bands don't do that as, much, as well in the sense where they'll play, say... Lee's Palace, Horseshoe, Bovine, Hideout. There's no relationship with any venue built. They're no. just kind of all over the place. Yeah. Right? And no, like, build up with staff or regulars or anything. So the bands I worked with, I'd be like, you're playing the Bovine. That's all. That's it. Yeah. Right? And, and uh, with that one band, we turned down 25 show offers in a year. Yeah. Right? Like, they'd be like, oh, we just got offered Lee's Palace. I'm like, are you going to sell it out? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, and then why do it? Local bands should only play at least once every six months, in my opinion, in Toronto, anyways, regardless. And and sell out every show, capacity yeah. crowd, or try. <laughs> and if not, like in my eyes, it's a failure. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just like this is not good, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, like I remember when I played in a band, we would actually divvy it up, and and we like we're playing with three bands. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's assume they're bringing no one. Yeah. Right. And as place holds 200, there's four of us. We were each responsible for 50 people. Mm-hmm. And we, we would, leading up to the, the show we'd, at our rehearsals, I was like, do you have your 50 yet? Well, I've got 35. Do you have yours? Yeah, 50. Okay, mm-hmm. well, you help him with the last 15 mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So we were always playing to full houses or packed yeah. houses, right? Yeah. And it's that easy. As long as you just look at math and numbers, yeah. that's it. Yeah, And you definitely. just keep going until you have enough people saying, yes, they are going. Even if you have to talk to strangers on the street, yeah, or you know, or the, there was a band called uh, Mobile, yeah. great guys. Um, they moved from Montreal to Toronto to make it, and uh, seven nights a week they were at the Horseshoe. Right, they had a show coming up in a few weeks at the Horseshoe, and they literally sat there with five thousand flyers. Every single person that walked through the Horseshoe in a month had had come to my show Monday, this date, 11 o'clock. Yep. It reminds me of a story is when we were traveling through with Red Fishers, we'd sit, stop in Saskatoon, go to the copy center, yep. have the original templates where we'd cut out and print out the name and write in the date. That's right, yeah. Copy with the paste and stick and then make 200 flyers and go throughout the town giving out flyers to the show. You worked it. We did. We yeah. did. We did. We tried real hard. It's work. It's work. That's what it is. That's, yeah. And that's what the that's the job. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. People think the work is well, I play guitar. Yeah. Well, no, you got to play guitar and you got to promote. Yeah. Right. And 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 your value will go up with people. Like I look at it, it's like stock. Yeah. Right. Apple is up one day, it's down the next, and mm. same with oil and like 
Nintendo now is like they made seven billion in four days, that? right? Would you yeah. bought stock to a year ago? <laughs> I in know, right? Nintendo, seven billion. They, seven out, billion. they out downloaded Twitter with with Pokemon Go. Oh yeah, there's a whole other conversation there. That's about uh, yeah, that's my geek creepy, side. Creepy, weird stuff going on there with yeah. the camera inside your house. It's all crazy. They figured they could have everybody's houses mapped on the inside. Yeah, by, by the by the time because it's Google Maps. I, I actually had a conversation about this yesterday. Ooh. That was part one of two. Two-parter, everybody. So come back next week to check out part two. It's uh, equally as long. So uh, as you know, some podcasts can go to three hours. I just don't think you can grasp all that stuff he was saying and put it in one episode. It kind of made my head explode just by listening to it. He was wildly interesting uh, and in, just uh, inter- inspiring. Inspiring. That's That's the word I was looking for. Uh, don't forget, everybody, about Apolog.ca uh, shop. Go buy a t-shirt. Go buy a discography slash shop. That's what it is. Uh, don't forget about audibletrial.com slash Apolog to go pre-order or get a free audiobook and 30-day free trial. Don't forget to go to Apolog.ca and click on the Amazon links when you're shopping on Amazon. That's important. Do that. Go buy a t-shirt. Go by, yeah, whatever. Like the show on Facebook. Like I said, I'm tired. It's been a long couple of days, everybody. I'm, like I said, I'm in Merritt, BC. I, I'm looking at mountains. Right now, I'm looking at the side of a hotel. So, oh, and I forgot to get my coffee. There's my coffee. We just finished watching the baseball game. Go Jays. Oh, I think that's it, everybody. Woo, it's a fun week. Fun day. We'll see you next week. I'll be here. Bye-bye.